How are you doing, Django? I'm pretty well. Um, yeah. I didn't get the best sleep last night, but I'm pretty well. No? You know why? I was just really vegging out. Like, I, I, I've been working so hard this week, and I, you know, I finished my work at like 10 last night, so I just said I deserve it and stayed up by myself until 2.30, I think. Ah, got it. Um, just to kind of keep a little bit of balance between the, the, the inner slob and the, the workaholic. Yeah, you know, I get it. Yeah, how about you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's interesting, leading up to my 65th birthday, I didn't expect to feel that this was such a passage, but it feels like it is. It feels like, you know, I am entering another part of life, and with passages always come interesting and sometimes uncomfortable feelings, and it's kind of, uh, it's an interesting time to be quiet and reflect and to look at my values and what I think life is about and, and, uh, and make sure that how I, you know, that I'm walking my talk still. Because, you know, I, I, I could very easily get into this thing where I... I talk a good talk, but am I still walking it? Am I still doing the things that I think are important? Like in, in what way? In every way. In how I treat people, in how I treat myself, and how I speak to myself. In how I fall into the cultural gullies of what 65 means and what it's supposed to look like. And um, Well, so I, what is what is 65 you're saying you're trying to not fall into yeah. any idea of what 60... What did, what did you used to feel like 65 looked like? What was your... Well, when I was 30, I thought, you know, that it was just over. There's no point. There's no point to anything. And I hear young women sometimes going, why does she bother with eye cream? She's old. Uh, so it's it's an interesting... I remember being that young woman, and I understand it. But having been that young woman, it doesn't do me any favors when I become this woman. So it, it is something that I would whisper back to my younger self to go, get rid of that idea. Mm. Get rid of the idea that, you know, there's a, a power in youth. It just shifts. It just changes. Actually, Keith Haring, as a matter of fact, I, I had no idea. Obviously... I knew about him as a as an artist. I mean, he's ubiquitous. But he said this, to be a victim of changes is to ignore its existence. And that's right. That's mm. right. To get used to everything changing, to truly accept that, and to truly understand that some changes aren't in our control. Mm. Uh, it, we like to think they are. We like to make it seem to ourselves like they are. But that it's just part of this whole experience. Um, I, I like that. I like that idea. And I'm just, I go in and check, check in on myself and make sure that I'm aligned with, mm. with what I think. 
That sounds like an interesting practice to do at any age. But what is it about 65 is just a, a number that's been in your head? Well, it's, <laughs> I'll tell you something. It's, it's very significant because you go on Medicare in this country and you have lots of people telling you what the options are. And there are a lot of options where they say, so if you die and your husband's alive, he'll get this if you do this one. And when you die, there's a lot of talk about dying. Mm. It's like, you know, you really get that this is the, the point that you start to think about it. And it is the point you start to think about it. But at the same time, I've known time to be kind of stretchy and strange. You know, years can seem like a second, and a day uh, can feel like forever in a wonderful way. Um, you know, time is a weird thing. So it doesn't, when I go, wait a minute, remember what you think about time and how you experience it, I'm cool. But if I go with their thing of, okay, now, we're going to talk about when you die, where your money goes, I go, oh, it, this is jarring to me. Yes, it has to be dealt with, but it's not, it's, it's, it has to be dealt with and you have to deal with that change too, but you can't dwell on it and go, okay, that's what all of this means now. No, that's what the government says it means. I just have to remind myself of that. How does that work? Do they like send you um, like a happy birthday letter? And, and <laughs> that would and be really nice. Med would, Medicaid. No, it's more like you have three months before your 65th birthday <laughs> and three months after, and you've got to get this done. It, you know, there's a lot of uh, panic to it all. But no, it's not like, yeah, welcome. Now mm. you've worked so hard, we're going to give something back to you. That would be nice. But the government uh, machinery doesn't really work that way. Hmm. You were telling me about um, this thing you found that was coining emerging adult. Yes, they are thinking of making a new life stage. Uh, it's proposed for people 18 to 25, and it's called emerging adulthood. And they're they're really recognizing the fact that um, you know, at 18, it used to be 50 years ago, 18, okay, you're an adult, you have an, a job. Certainly the men in America had jobs. And then, uh, for the most part, and then you got married 2022, 20, had your first child after that. Um, that's exactly what happened to my brother. He had a child actually at 20. Um, I was out of the house and working at 18, and I believed that my job was to support my parents financially. So I started working not to make a life for myself, but to help contribute to my parents' life. Um, it was just a different way of thinking then. Uh, certainly, now it's almost impossible unless you're, I don't know, what? rock star, uh, athlete to go, I'm going to buy my parents a house. Yeah. I mean, my God, we're not in that world anymore. But what's interesting about this is that this happens in industrialized countries, of course, because 
if there's need, children still at 18 go straight to work. But in industrialized countries, there's an identity exploration that's happening in your 20s where you go, what do I want to do with my life? What do I believe? It's kind of, it's really kind of wonderful that you have that time to explore before you pair yourself up, before you have a family of your own. Um, and it, this, this emerging adulthood is kind of defined by um, identity explorations, instability, because you're not with someone else making a life, going, this is my job, whether I like it or not, um, I need to make money. Um, so, so why, why, why do you think, so they, they invented the new term or, or, or created the, the new, I don't know what you called it, the, the new structure. What did, what did you say? Yeah. It's a new life stage. New life stage. They invented that to I mean, kind of, how does that, how does that sit with you? Do you think that's kind of right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting and and just the reason I brought it up is because you were talking about that that moment that you turned 65. Mhm. And I think having turned 25 I was thinking after you said that like this is probably the first time where I've felt in my life that I feel like an adult probably because I think every other year um even outside of the house I still kind of like I don't know like I was there was no structure to my life you know it mm. was very much like we'll see what today holds you know there 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 wasn't really so much responsibility and now you know now there's and I think because of that I probably I, I had I had such a low tolerance for being able to handle things when they came to me mm. like if 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 something small came up that required my my attention or 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 for me to um really step up or or suffer or whatever not suffer suffer but but to have an uncomfortable have feeling. an uncom yeah right i mm -hmm. i would i would kind of maybe maybe fold much quicker and i'd say now in life i kind of feel like things come up and and i i i deal with them and and in a weird way, that to me feels like adulthood. It's just kind of independently going going about my my day and and you know tending to this garden on on my own. So, do you think that that period of time where you gave yourself no structure and it it, it sounds like that did not help you deal with stuff was that uh, a useful time? Did that? Yeah. To hear. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to somebody today who, um, you know, is, is in the early years of college and, and it was kind of nice reminiscing and, and, and to connect on that level just because it was, it's, it's an aimless time you know, but, but I remember like there were certain books that I read in that period that I would never read now, you know, there, there were, there were little books nuggets of information that I sought out that, you know, you're, 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 it's, it's a new, it's, a, it, it absolutely makes sense to me as a new growth stage because you're, you're taking in all of this shit from all over the place. And I, I remember I was obsessed with how, um, 
the human brain was like computers or something and I was finding all of this research that supported it. And it's like, mm. y- yeah, I mean, but that, you know, whether or not, whether or not that's going to help me on my, my, in my life's work or, you know, in my family dynamic like that, to me, it feels like it, it's identity affirming, you know, like the, the weird little things that we, we become obsessed with or the phases that we have yeah. uh, through our early 20s. Um, well, I don't think it ends there. I feel myself changing my focus and uh, paying attention to very different things now. I think I'm going through that right now um, as, I, as I am aware of this, you know, the arches of 65 that I'm about to pass through. And it's so funny because the advice that I always give people is don't pay attention to those culturally given, you know, landmarks that, you know, at 25, you should be doing this. And if you want a career, it should look like this at that age, because it's simply not true. And, um, and it's not true that things are like, okay, now time to relax and not be useful at 65 that's not true none of it is true but i but as you know i found myself at 40 visiting that uh cultural cliff of okay now it's over in terms of you being you know a viably uh, attractive woman i found myself visiting another cliff at 50 i still visit them but now i'm not falling in I'm, I'm looking and going, Ian, no, no. Remember who you are. Somebody asked me again this morning, you know, what, what were, what were the moments that, that where I, I felt like I had, um, I guess found myself like affirmed, affirmed stuff. And it's such an interesting conversation. And it's also so cerebral and strange it felt so strange to talk about to look back and be like what were the little things that happened along the way Hmm. like what were the what were those landmark like what was it at 40 you know the 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 specific instance you know if if there could be one great grand metaphor or representation for you finding that what, what what do you think it would be well what i thought at the time isn't what I realize now. What I thought at the time was that um, my usefulness was over, that what I did for work was going to end because that's kind of the way it is in the business. Certainly then, when you turn 40, it's just the, the, the market changes for you. But when I look back and it was an uncomfortable time. But when I look back, I realized I was in an area that I hadn't seen. I was trying to be a kind of woman I didn't have an example of. And I was doing some brave work all on my own. I say that now at 65 looking back. But then it just felt like discomfort. I didn't know what I was doing. So what was, what was the thing that you feel like if, I mean, it might take a second to, to, to think about, but if, if you could find 
a moment or an interaction or a decision that you felt like at 40 you made that, that, do you know what I mean? Like that, that totally maybe in some small way started the dominoes falling or, uh, yeah, I was doing a job that was really kind of unreasonable. Um, (laughs) I had two weeks to be put into Chicago and I wasn't ready and I was panicky and I called the person that I was with uh, because I was so used to going outside myself for help, for affirmation, for being told, you're okay, you can do this. And I didn't have the people in my life that used to do that anymore. And I called the person I was with, and they were at a party, and I could hear the party going on. And they had no time for me. They were fed up with all of that and hung up on me. And I, in that moment, I collapsed and went, okay, there's only one person here who's going to pick me up and walk and walk as best I can through all of this, even though I don't think I'm capable of it. I got me. And that kind of, that kind of marriage to myself, I think, was uh, really important when I was 40. Hmm. There's a lot of Phoenix moments on the, on the path to mm. discovery. But I'll tell you something. There is, um, there was a young man, do you have his name, who did a beautiful commencement speech, and I think it has a lot to do with what we're talking about right now. Yeah, uh, his name was Jad Abumrad. Yes. He was at Caltech uh, this year. Yeah, could you play that? Because it it really deals with that confusion of knowing what you're doing or why you're doing it in your lifetime. I think he says it so well. The monarch butterfly that you sometimes see here in Los Angeles, uh, they migrate about 3,000 miles from Vancouver to Michoacan, Mexico. That we knew. Uh, What I didn't know was that each leg of that journey takes the monarchs three to four generations. Apparently, researchers just learned this. Three to four generations each way. Think about that. A new butterfly takes flight from a eucalyptus tree in Vancouver. By the time the butterflies get here to Los Angeles, that mother butterfly is gone, her child is gone, and her child's child is now doing the flying. By the time they make it to Mexico, it's the child's child's child. It is unsettling to see oneself as just one particle in a stream, one butterfly in a kaleidoscope. Do you know that butterflies, groups of butterflies are called kaleidoscopes? Isn't that cool? I didn't know this until uh, yesterday. Um, And the thing is, you might not be the first butterfly. You won't know it, but you might be the third, or more likely the 300th, taking the work and the knowledge and the discoveries of those that came before you, and in your lifetime, You're going to move it forward in ways no one could have imagined, and you're not going to get all the way. And that's okay. Because without your effort, humanity's never going to get there. So, to conclude, I wish you all so much luck, so much fierceness, 
as you take flight tomorrow. I think that's so beautiful what he said. It, it, that, you know, when I look at the woman my grandmother was, uh, married at 15, 11 children by the time she's in her 20s, and yet she had such a drive to be a dancer that she managed to go to the Paris Ballet where you're not even supposed to be married, let alone have children. She learned to dance, came home and taught her 11 children how to dance and became uh, you know, a, a big deal on vaudeville circuits all over the world. They traveled to Africa, America. And then I see my mother uh, again having a career and yet struggling with the cultural adaptations of her time. And then I see me and I see, I see a stream of a woman um, having more and more um, resilience, uh, steadiness in herself, and more agency. And, you know, when I, when I look at my children or the young women I talk to, and support, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the point. It's not about each individual's arrival at a place, but just this, you know, lava flow toward, toward a, 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 you know, kinder, better humanity. I think it's also definitely helpful to hear as a young person, because so much of, um, <clears throat> at least what I was exposed to in terms of understanding your place generationally was like, you know, Freud or Homer or whatever, where it's like you, 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 you become a man when you kill your parents, Right. you know, right. it's like <laughs> Freud is not, I, I, I think Freud is kind of out of it these days. If people are going, Oh no, Oh my, no, there were some mistakes made there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's nice to, nice to put a positive spin on it. Um, and, and to think of this collective journey, you know? Collective journey. And I know that's not, that it's not even just relative to me and my, me and my family are the butterflies, but that we're all... All of us. We're all moving towards something together. All of us. And look, we, <laughs> we, we, make, we make some missteps... And we learn from them. Uh, you know, going back to this this millennial question, which you're 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 on the cusp, aren't you? You're a millennial, really. I, I think Gen I looked Z? it up. I think I'm I'm Gen Gen, Z, Gen Z? Uh, but I am on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah. There's this common thought that older people have about millennials. You know, everybody gets a prize. Everybody gets an award. Um, and but that was what people thought in the 70s was a good idea because they saw that self-esteem boosted grades in mm. school. So give kids self-esteem. What they didn't realize is that you can't give, you can't just tell somebody, you're great. Mm. It's, it's them trying something, failing, and getting up and trying it again. It's that moment of... Uh, me realizing there's no one else on the end of the phone to help me feel okay when yeah. I'm down and 
finding it in myself. That's why kids with self-esteem did well in school because they had resiliency. They realized, hey, I, I, I can trust myself. You can't give that to someone by telling them you're a princess. I guess that's something that's always confused me, um, that notion of like the newer generations being handed everything. Like I, there's often people say, oh, you even get a, a trophy if you lose, you know, if if you right. don't win the, the game. And in Little League, I remember like, we, yeah, we got participation trophies, but it didn't feel good. It did. You know, we, we still lost the game. It didn't. Well, I mean, it was just it symbolic. Didn't, it didn't work. We were trying to make everyone have self-esteem and feel feel good about themselves instead of let them go through uncomfortable feelings and realize they'll survive it. They'll, they'll realize they can handle themselves. That's when people become successful human beings, not just by going, I'm special. As a matter of fact, that's awful. Right. That, that leads to feelings of narcissism and this hierarchical thing of I'm better than other people. Mm. What? Yeah. Uh, that's I, I I do think maybe there'll be some something special going on though now just because it's like okay yeah we 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 did get we did get a bit of a coddled upbringing but then we got it all kind of taken away and we're experiencing yeah, e- extremities at the moment yes because it's not cute to think that you're special when you're 18 and you haven't tested yourself. No one's looking at you going, oh, how cute. Your T-shirt says I'm special. And you are. So, yeah, you got cut down mm. hard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a mistake that happened to that generation, really. The mistake is? The mistake is thinking that you can hand self-esteem out with a medal and not have people experience uncomfortable emotions and let them learn how to handle being human on their own. Okay. But then, but then going back to emerging adulthood, there's no, there's no handouts for the emerging adult. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. It's pretty rough and tumble. You know, I mean, how how many people work at cafes when they're in their early twenties or, you know, find the most entry-level job, the most entry-level living situation, and just start from zero. And, well, and, that's, and that's what's hard because my generation goes, that. well, that's normal. Sure. Sure, but, but I, I'd say that the, the contrast of that, I mean, it, it, is, it is a very grounding experience to be, to be 20 and to, to have the post-college ego death you know, in a way, or mm. even, even when you're in college, because it's like you go from way up to baseline zero, start from scratch, and then you got to build yourself up again. I, I, I th- I'm, I'm not sure that that's good. I think that happened because of the, of the everybody gets a medal thing in schools and what parents were told. And now there's a huge crash. I think it would be great if there was a more gradual understanding of of how to handle life. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I I understand that. I'm 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 so full of gratitude for for my own journey. And I but I but I, I do think I do think that 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 served that served me. 
and and maybe it would have served me that much better if if the whole time I was building myself up because I I do feel like I I the moment I started doing self development work was at twenty and prior to that I had no idea who I was mm-hmm. I and I, I think that that's a very common um, yeah I I had no idea who I was. None. Well, so why not? Why not let the let the zero to eighteen the kids feel good? Why not let the kids feel good? And then, and then, and then they get introduced to uh, real life. But good to me means um, comfortable. It doesn't mean resilient. It doesn't mean oh, I can take big chances because it's okay if I fail. It's okay if I don't win. I know, and my parents support the fact that I'm going to try lots of things and fail and then try other things or maybe try that thing again. That kind of freedom, I think, really helps guide a life. I think instead of putting um, emphasis on making children feel good about themselves, yes, uh, 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 bullying, uh, unbelievably negative, bad self-talk, yeah, no good. Yeah, parents shaming you, mm-mm. But in terms of self-esteem, let a child build it themselves. Mm. Let them understand how to have the freedom to try new things and fail, and that that's normal. Failure is normal. It, the, the worst thing is to be afraid to fail and to be afraid to succeed. They're, they're both two fears that keep you right in the middle of life. I'm still on that boat, though, of you lose, you get a participation trophy, and then you feel like, okay, well, the institution still cares for me. You know, I'm not forgotten about because I lost this little league game. I'm going to beat myself up because I wanted to win. And because it would have been really cool to talk to my friends about winning. But I know that I'm not disregarded for this. Well, there you are. If the attitude of winning and losing, if that culture was different for children, if winning wasn't such a big deal, but how you played, and I think this is true for, you know, little league people across the world, that there are wonderful coaches who make you understand that it's the collaboration mm. and it's what you found in yourself and what you dared to do. Yeah, you didn't win, but you know what? You took a huge chance to do whatever you did during the game. And I saw that. Yeah. It, you would go home with this big bubble of joy for yourself in your body. Mm-hmm. If that kind of thing is what mattered, as opposed to winning or losing, for God's sakes. I was just thinking about the, um, or we were just talking about the the, the drum set, the red drum set. Uh, yes. <clears throat> because I, I always sort of thought that I was, um, like, getting into music recently. Like, I always sort of thought that I was like, oh, I'm. I'm in completely unfamiliar territory. I'm uh, uh, an imposter. This isn't my life, and this has nothing to do with what my interests were as a kid. Mm. 
um, because I was, I, I was kind again, aimless as a child. Like I, I, and in a great way in a, in a living in New Mexico, uh, I'm going to skate down this hill or, you know, like walk around in, in a ditch for a while. And, and, you know, that, that kind of exploration is so, uh, cool to me now. Cause I'm like, I wish I could not look crazy and walk around a ditch Do you for a remember while. I just had a, an image come into my head of taking you to school. We both rode to your school and it was during the balloon festival and there were balloons landing all around us as we rode our bikes. Mm. It was gorgeous. It, I, such fond memories. Yeah, me too. But that that kind of pure. Oh, I'm walking around in life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I that, you know, and you and I was in jazz bands, and I'd pick up instruments, and I'd love them for six months, and then I'd I'd, I'd move on, and it was like I I just didn't feel like doing it anymore, and well, I, I think back now, and it, you know, so cool. <laughs> You bought like a $700 drum set for me when I was 14. Yeah, for, yeah I think you were younger than that, yeah. which was my foolishness. And No, but this is what I'm saying is how lovely to for you to show that support in that moment. <laughs> and but did you see it that way or did you see it as a big burden? When you're a kid, you don't you don't you don't see things right at all. But but I I look back now, you know, now that I've sort of come come into my own as a, as a creative and and feel much more grounded in myself and and know what I'm doing and where I'm going I'm like that you know going back to those moments that kind of changed things having that shiny red drum set in my bedroom as a kid <laughs> planted some memories and planted some thoughts and it doesn't matter if I I don't you know come out and I'm I'm you know doing Phil Collins oh, God, the next no. day yeah but not at all, but it 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 all it all stays in there, and it all it all everybody's narrative. It, I've I've been so fascinated by, and it's it's way too cerebral and strange to talk about on here. But oh, oh, good, then talk about it. Well, I've just been so fascinated recently by by all of the little all of the little you know all of the little stones that that you overlook that that build the build the house. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and it's been really fun for me to to kind of start to look back and 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 to take those in, like uh, again the Phoenix moments, you know, where I, I thought all was lost, but I I maybe journaled one important thing in the depths of despair, and that one thing I you know I carry with me today, you know. You journal a lot, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, I actually just, I actually just started to realize that I only journal when I'm feeling uncomfortable, mm. which is good because I I work through it, and and I often realize that I'm only feeling uncomfortable because there's something going on that I'm not aware of, you know, or that I that I haven't faced fully. Um, so it's that's that's a really nice practice to, to journal. And I, you know, every time after I journal, I'm like up, I'm present, you know, I'm full of love. It's almost always a hundred percent success rate. But 
it's not so nice to look back in my journals. It, it weaves a narrative of, that I can believe of, oh, here's someone who struggles a lot, you know? And I, 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 I think I'm going to try to start, um, just putting, putting little, little nuggets of, of kindness in there. So I just, just for purely so I can, I can, I can look back and be like, oh, okay, I'm doing well. Or, you know, like it, it's, 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 it's a staircase. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you could also label that journal when I'm green goo, you know? So it's like, yes, this is when I'm in the in-between moments. These are the uncomfortable, uh, where am I? You have moments. to, you have to tell me about green goo again. I don't, I know we probably talked about it, but I, I, I forget. Yeah. It's the wonderful thought that a caterpillar is just walking around enjoying being a caterpillar and then has this overwhelming uh, need to build a chrysalis and then dissolves inside of it and becomes just mm. green goo. Mm. And in so many important things are going on in that time period, but they don't know what it is until they start to become a butterfly mm. and even then it's a struggle and they suffer getting out of the chrysalis is a struggle a life a literal life and death struggle but uh then they're ready for their new life and uh yeah i i think green goo journals if you call it that you go okay these are the times that i'm transitioning that i am uncovering all this stuff about myself. I, I also think it's a good idea to write the positives to, to remember, mm. you know, it's like if you have photographs of your life that are just horrible moments, that's what will stick in your mind because you, you revisit those photographs. Exactly. Yeah. At the moment I, I can't, I just have to keep moving forward in my journals. I can't take a second to look back because mm. it's like, Oh God, it's just a wave of, um, shit. But, but now mine look like that too. Yeah. Although I don't have a journal, I have pieces of paper, napkins. I've kept them all, but it's the most disorganized mess you've ever seen. You know, a, a, a napkin from Germany and, you know, 20 years ago and all these pieces that I've written things on. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking it could be cool. I mean, it's kind of... I don't know what the word is, like woo-woo. Like it's it's kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow goopish. To but I I kind of I kind of want to start doing like little gratitude things, like just writing three things I'm doing well every once in a while. Hey, that's scientific. It is actually scientifically proven. I just hate I hate doing that. That's so it feels so corny to me. Uh, well, yeah. That feel that feels like a participation trophy to me. But it's not. It's, I know. it's, you know, the way our brains are focused on the negative, they have to be, you know, gratitude is just a balance. That's all it is. You're just balancing the scales so that, you know, like, like you said, in if you look back and you see all the negative, you, you just haven't balanced it with the, the gratitude list. Mm. And it can be as simple as that, a gratitude list. At a certain point, I was before bed naming five things that I was grateful for in the day. It could be the smallest thing up to the biggest thing. And it makes a difference. It reminds you. It's a place card to mm. go, wait, this, this wonderful thing happened. Mm. As small or as big as you want, it mm. all makes a difference. 
It's true. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking about the Keith Haring quote again. Change. And what, 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 can we revisit it, actually? Yeah. Um, he said, to be a victim of change is to ignore its existence. Meaning, you know, if, if you let yourself become victimized, it's because you forgot that everything changes. If you go, wait a minute, what happened? This isn't the way life was. You've forgotten. It's not only the nature of the world, the galaxies, our bodies, nature, everything. Everything is in constant motion. Mm. Yeah, I've been, I've been experiencing change. It's, um, it's so, it's so, um, off-putting though, <laughs> you know, it's really. Cause you're not in control. Ground shaking. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, but, but it, it, it does feel like, uh, well, here's my thing. I, I, I just, I generally feel so happy again <laughs> I'm saying that a lot, but, but so when, when, when change happens, I, I get worried that that's going to go away, you that, know, that your happiness goes away. Yeah. I, I, I get, I get, I, I start to feel like the only reason that I am happy is because I've concocted this perfect balance of things, you know, like a scientist I've, it's 25% this there, you know, mm -hmm. and and so, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I have more resistance to change than I maybe, maybe do when, for example, I'm not so happy. And in, and, and in those moments, I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to move to Italy tomorrow, <laughs> you know, like, cause I'm right. Well, but the, the issue is that once you get to Italy, you're still yourself and so you bring all, all the, the thoughts, yeah. you bring all the issues, you bring everything. But you're alone and you don't speak the language. That That is literally what happened to me. I went to Cuba to escape for a while. Mm -hmm. And then like, those journals are crazy. I bet. <laughs> those yeah. journals. But that was pretty life-changing for you, wasn't it, Cuba? I think so. I, yeah, I think I think so. I mean... it. it I, to me, it shifted your idea of who you were. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think all of the all of the travel that I managed to do, you know, was like even a vacation. It it the the moment it's happening. I I don't I don't know how to enjoy vacation. I think it's really? like a tangent. Why? A well, I I just feel. Um, I feel like there's so much work to do, you know, I feel like there's so much that I need to need to get on, you know, there's, I have a million things in my head at any time. Mm. And so it's like, if I go on vacation, I just can't, I have no outlet for them, you know? Um, but, but yeah. But I, I understand creatives like that. I've met writers like that who just have so many stories they want to get out of their heads mm. on, onto paper and into, you know, people's homes that they just don't feel like they can stop. So that's, that's kind of a, in a way, a beautiful drive, but also, you know, you need to have the understanding that when you leave 
something, if you what you're doing is your conscious mind is leaving it. Your subconscious keeps working. And sometimes your subconscious mind works better than your conscious mind. So your conscious mind is, you know, camping in the Adirondacks and you come back and you can sit down and just write a whole song from yeah. nowhere yeah. because your subconscious was working on it the whole time. That's 100%. I felt really um, especially bogged down, I think, two weeks ago because I'm... I'm mixing and, 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 you know, doing some finishing touches and I'm giving myself a deadline now. And, um, at, at first that really, uh, crushed me to the point where I had to like steer a cruise ship. It felt like to get myself to just not do work for a day Mm. for, for, I think I, I told myself that I wasn't going to do it for a week and I really had to like, pull on the brakes as hard as I possibly could to, (laughs) and I got three days, I got three days, but I felt so rejuvenated when I came back Yeah, and I had ideas and and it's sometimes just terrible to just throw ideas at, you know, constantly just sit down and work and you're going to have a bunch of bad ideas. And if you give yourself time to just think about something and not actively do it so much, or even not think about it. Just let it go. I don't think I have that capability. Well, trust your subconscious. Because the minute you ask yourself a question, your subconscious starts to work on it. So give yourself a task and see what happens if you just let your subconscious work on it a, a minute. And then pick it back up with your conscious mind. Your body will tell you if your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are in agreement mm. about something. Mm-hmm. You'll feel it. Mm-hmm. You will feel uncomfortable if there's if there's a dissonance there. But I want to go back to something that you were saying about you feel like you manage happiness. It's like a, a bird you catch. And okay, I've got this bird now. I can't let it go. Which, you know, will make the bird not happy. It, it's it's but the point is really that humans get used to everything if i if you won the lottery right now scientists have discovered that it would take not much longer than a few months maybe just two weeks for you to get used to the fact that you won the lottery and even though you can keep yourself busy with buying things and doing this and that all your same issues will come back and you will be the same as you were before winning the lottery. And that's true of anything, getting married, having a baby. It, it, we, we come back, and it's a necessary human thing to come back to a certain um, level of being. And the level of being is who we are. So when you want to mess with happiness, realize that it's not the things you've brought into your life it's the things that you've cultivated in yourself because mm-hmm. you can feel happy just in about just about any circumstance and you can feel miserable in the best circumstance so it's really about who you've made inside of you and once you do that that happiness is going to travel with you it's not going to stay there all the time it, you know 
happiness comes and goes. And it's not the point. The point is living it all, right? Yeah. Feeling it all. And and when the hard emotions come, happiness is all the sweeter. Mm. Yeah. I think about that sometimes. Um because I, I think for a while I worked with the goal of of being happy and, and successful. Like that was, those right. two were tied together. Right. And it's very funny to, to uh, cite um, Billie Eilish. Um, <laughs> but, you know, her, her, her newest music project was called Happier Than Ever. Mm-hmm. And um, the thesis of it is... She had this dream, and she achieved it, but she's not content. Mm-hmm. She's not feeling good, which is which is really interesting to think about. Because um, how, how evolved of her! What a what a great thing to present to the world. Yeah, I'm really coming around on her. I think I judged her like any young male probably at first. Um, mm-hmm just because it's a pop star, mm. you know, not because of anything that she does or is, but yuck, pop star. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, no, it, it is cool to, to turn around and write, write something like that instead of, you know, yeah, we made it, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then you think about Post Malone in, in a, all alone in Las Vegas playing video games and getting face tattoos and I know. being in a bunker. I know. Um, well, and that's a good example of he's, you know, you go to Italy, you're Django with your issues from L.A. in Italy. It just it's not going to get you to experience life differently until you do that work. And that to me is going back to our original subject. That's the usefulness of letting children go through uncomfortable feelings, failing, knowing what failure feels like so that you're not so scared of success or failure that you end up isolated. And, uh, you know, just shutting yourself down slowly. I hear you. I hear you. I'm I'm still not fully on board with that. All right. But, you know... That's a that's a great debate. <laughs> I, I, I I guess I feel like I feel like kids I, kids don't even know what's going on or who they are. Why not let them feel the failures? You know, there's that, yeah. these state these back to these stages. Emerging adulthood is the time to that's rise and grind. That's fight or flight. That's like you know. Children are brilliant children's brains haven't started you know chopping off synapses yet they their brains are huge and they're capable of so much and yet we don't give them any understanding of how their brains work or their nervous systems we don't give them that why not have them understand why it feels bad you know i i don't know i Here's here's the bad cycle that I'm probably um, perpetuating. Right now, <laughs> is I just 
there were so many difficult moments recently that I I feel like if I'm going to be a parent soon, I'm going to just whatever you know. Yes, that's what we do. I'm gonna I'm my my I'm gonna have to fight every instinct to just coddle and yeah. Um, uh, what's it called when you give a kid everything? Um, spoil. Spoil. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, so there was a period of time when I was mm, like seven, eight, nine, ten, that there was no money in the house to the point where there was no snacks, no food. Um, I ate mustard sandwiches. It, it, they were artists, and, you know, we lived by and died by that sword, and they did amazingly well. But uh, there were times there w- was very little food. And I remember being around eight years old and making the decision, if I ever have children, I'm going to have snacks. <laughs> so what that ends up being is when I had two boys, my eight-year-old was making decisions about what they eat. Um, my eight-year-old was very sure, and think about how much I had sweets in the house. There was constant cookies, always, yeah. when you came home, whatever. I baked it, I bought it, whatever. There was going to be plenty for you to choose from in terms of snacks. But that was an eight-year-old child not understanding we don't have to swing that hard when we're parents mm. and an eight-year-old shouldn't be bringing up two boys, you know, but we get stuck in these mindsets of when we're young and hard times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's not going to be that way for my children. So yeah, when you have children, be mindful of not swinging too hard uh, away from the things that, that, uh, rocked you in your life. And if anything from our conversation is relevant, I should swing into that, go go towards that, and just become totally dictatorial. <laughs> God. Um, so cool, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot. Oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for listening.